0: Let's just do a real quick review. The, the series, as you know, is called the To-Do List for, for 2021. And uh, usually in the, this time of the year, beginning of the year, I kind of cast a vision for a church. And, and uh, this year, we're, we're kind of giving you the to-do list, like things that we need to make sure that as a church, or even even as Christians, that we are doing, and that we're part of it, and we're doing it. And, and where we're getting this from is from the New Testament. Uh, the guy named Paul, remember we have talked about the guy named Paul. He wrote a letter to a church. And in that letter, he gave them this to-do list. It's kind of interesting. He just got done in this letter telling them, listen, Christ is coming back again, and it's really going to be awesome, and, it, and it's, it's like going to be like a thief of the night. It's just going to boom, and he's going to come back, and he's going he to take the Christians you know, out of this world. And, and uh, he's talking about that and how exciting that is. And then he kind of pauses for a second and says, by the way, while we're waiting... I got a little couple things I want you to do, church. I want you to be involved in this. I want you to be part of it. I'm going to just real quick read from this passage just what we've covered the last couple weeks just to kind of bring us up to date. But I do want to encourage you to go online to our website or, or podcast or on Spotify and, and pick up the last few messages so you can kind of see exactly where we're at. But I'm in the book of Thessalonians all the way over on the right-hand side, kind of a short, short book, Thessalonians. I'm in chapter 5. And I'm going to pick up at verse 12. Let me just read a couple verses just to put it in context. So he says this, verse 12: And we beseech you, or beg you, or encourage you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now, we exhort you, brethren: warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded support the weak. Be patient towards all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. So let's just push the pause button right there. Okay, pause. We still got more of the chapter to read, but let's just pause right there and that's where we're going to pick up today, but let's just look back at what he said just for review. Now the first thing he said was remember, just recognize Uh, realize the fact that god's given you people that are over you in the lord they're not better than you they're not smarter than you it just god has a hierarchy he says listen i want some people to be your spiritual mentors and he's given that to us okay in the church and he says you better recognize that and you better esteem them okay honor them show respect to them show appreciation to them make sure you do that okay just don't forget that and then he says Warn those that are, are out of step. So, so he's writing to a church. Don't ever forget, he's writing to a church. He says, Christians, come on. Warn those people. Literally, it means those that are out of step. The church is going this way, and there's someone out there going this way. He says, warn them. Come on. Get on board. See what's going on here. You need to be part of this. If someone's just, they're out of step, warn them. And then he says, the next thing he says in it, he says, comfort those that can't keep marching. So there's some people that want to keep marching along and, and doing what's, what's God planned here for the local church. And he says, some people are just, they're faint hearted. They're just, I can't do it anymore. I just, I don't know if I can keep this marriage going. I I'm having a hard time raising my kids. I just, I'm struggling with addictive behaviors. I just want to quit. You better come up alongside them and put your arm around them. You better help them out. You better say, hey, come on, come on. We can keep going. I'm with you together. You know, we're all in this together. Keep going. And then he says, support those and teach those that that don't know how to march so it's not that it's not that they're going opposite to what what the church is doing it's not that they're ready to pass out trying to do it because they're just tired there's people out there saying i have have no idea why christians do these things okay well there's a lot of people like that of course they're new to the faith he says you know what help them teach them disciple them support them because they don't even they don't know what's going on what does it mean to be a christian and he says, listen, you better be patient with all these people because it's going to take time for these people to grow, time for people to change, absolutely. And he says, make sure, make sure that no one retaliates for evil, okay? Evil for evil. Paul is just crystal clear. Christians, we don't do that, okay? We just don't do that. We talked about that last week. And then this is where we pick up today. So we're picking up today in the end of verse 16. I'm sorry, end of verse 15. So look at the end of verse 15. Uh, let's see. See that none render evil for evil, right? We talked about that. But, here we go, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So he says, listen, I want you to make sure that you do good to all men, not just the people here in your church, but you make sure that you're doing good to to all men, okay? Christians, as Christians, we should be doing good to all men. And under that classification, there's a generalization, all men, all women, okay? It's not just for the males, but it's for everybody. We should be thinking about that and making sure that, that we're uh, we're the people that are following after good and that we're doing good to all men. So, Pastor, what does it mean to do good to all people? Well, because today's Sanctity of Life Sunday, I, I classified this out in a couple different groups of people. Just just kind of where I felt God was leading me in the study. But I think the first group of people that we need to make sure that we do good to, because it's Sanctity of Life Sunday, we've got to make sure that we do good to the unborn. Okay? <laughs> You say, Pastor, but why? They're not born until literally their birth. Actually, no. And some of you may not know this, but, but just because. Life actually begins at conception. That, that's when life begins. No, no, Pastor, life begins at a heartbeat, or life begins when they feel pain, or life begins literally when they're birth. No, life literally begins at conception. The Bible says that, and science says it. You say, well, no, but I heard an expert say, <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> now, life begins at conception. Everyone knows that. People may deny it, but that's when life begins. And, and, uh, and like I said earlier today, I know, church, I know. There's people here with regrets, and, and I'm being sensitive to that, and people have made some mistakes on that, and I'm, I want to be very sensitive to that. I'm sorry. Here's what I do know I do know that God is the God that forgives, right? Praise the Lord, church. And I do know that God's mercies are due every morning. Amen, hey, church, right? Every morning, every day. They're, they're, they're new again. God's not up there holding a grudge and saying, "Remember what you did back when you were in college. Remember back when you were in high school. Remember that." He doesn't do that. No, God's mercy is new every day, and and uh, so, pastor, well how this passage says we need to be good to the unborn. Well, how do we do that? Well, I think the obvious thing is is because they're defenseless, we as Christians need to make sure that we defend the defenseless, and that just kind of makes sense. Something that we're thinking about, and 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 we could do that, of course, by praying. You know, on your way out today, we have a gift for you. I'll talk about it in a little bit, too, but we're going to give every person here today a carnation. And with that carnation is a prayer card, okay? It's a sheet of paper that tells how you can pray for the unborn. Pastor, can I pray for the unborn? Of course you can, absolutely. You can pray for people that are working in the uh, the crisis pregnancy centers, pray for Choose Life Wisconsin, pray for for the the legislators, Pray, pray for... It gives us a whole list of things that we can be praying for to help defend those that are so defenseless. And I think another thing we can do, we talked about it already this morning, is we can finance the defenseless, right? I mean, we talk about, it, and I, we, we've been we've been talking about this. I mean, as a church since day one. You're like, oh yeah, we want to support pro life. And if I say we support pro life, the whole church says, "Amen, great." And then I ask the question, "Well, how many of you have actually written a check to support pro life?" I don't. I don't. Yeah, I would, but I don't. I mean, I, where do I give it to the Crisis Pregnancy Center? What do I do with it? Do I mail it to March for Life? And what do I do? How do I support? Pro-life, well, the simplest way to do it, and I literally mean the simplest way to do it, it's so simple, is just to get a license plate for your car, right? And, and it's $25 extra a year. So you're, you're already paying your registration. You got to pay that anyways, right? Uncle Sam gets his chunk, and then they'll tack on an extra 25 bucks every year, and $25 of the $25 goes to choose life and pro-life uh, services here in Wisconsin. That's what's so cool about it. That's what Jelaine was talking about, and we appreciate that. But it's just so simple. And then every year, you're given 25 bucks. Well, pastor, 25 bucks. Oh, come on now. 25 divided by 12, $2.07, $2.08 a month. Okay, how much was your Starbucks this morning? Yeah, yeah. Well, wow, by the time I got the, you know, the muffin and the brownie, and I got a, you know, an extra super grande, it was like 10 bucks. Okay, you're talking $2. Wow, we're so generous, church. We gave $2. It's not, it's it's, it's kind of embarrassing, but it's it's just not that much. It, it's just not that much. Uh, yeah, we want people to see the pro-life plates. Of course we want to see that. But, but church, we, we need to finance it, and that's the, that's the starting point. That's just the starting point. You're welcome to write a, a check to this church, and, and uh, you could say pro-life causes, and, and 100% of that money that you send, that you put in the offering plate, that if you want to go, we'll, we will give 100% of that to pro-life, okay? Absolutely we're not going to take off the top. We'll do, if you, if you want it to go above and beyond your normal tithe and giving, we'll, we'll help that out. We'll do that. We're, we're for that. And uh, I just think that's an important thing that we all should be doing. I'd love to see our church parking lot full. You know, I I love watching the Packers. I love watching the game yesterday. I thought it was great. I know some people got Packers license plates. Well, you're going to get it. You understand that the money that you give to the Packers, the number one cause they support is Planned Parenthood. You understand that, right? So if you get a Packers license plate, that $25 is totally going to abortion and and anti-pro-life causes. (laughs) but I like the Packers great go to the Packers game cheer them on watch them on television wear the jersey that's wonderful that's great but I wouldn't get their license plate (laughs) I I just wouldn't do it I don't know about the Brewers and everybody else but if you're going to spend the money why wouldn't I mean don't be anti-pro-life right be pro-life you know so that's just what I would do and I think it's a big thing and I've had people ask me this I had someone I had someone say this to me the other day and I'm not saying this to get anyone worked up I'm not saying this to hurt anybody but I had a, 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 a how would I say this A popular Christian let me just say that involved in a church and he said well abortion's okay abortion's okay when it's rape or incest right and I said no it's not he said well no but that's that's not fair it's not right it's not you know I know it's not fair and I know it's not right but church don't forget life begins at conception and a child that's conceived whether in love or in hate or anger or violence is still what It's still a human being, yeah. Absolutely, positively. So, abortion is not okay in rape or incest. It's just not. But yeah, but it's not fair towards the mother. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm saying it's awful. It's terrible. But if life begins at conception, then that life is a life that needs to be defended and needs to be taken care of, and we need to do good towards that life, regardless of the circumstances of how or when or why it was conceived. Okay, it's just we got to we got to think through that. A life is a life. Amen, church. And I'm, 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 I'm saddened because there's an awful lot of evangelical Christians that, that are, don't hold that view. I, I don't know why, but it's sad, okay? I, I, I would think, and I, I know, I'm in trouble for this too. I'm getting in a lot of trouble today. I'd think that the Catholic Church, I, I would think every single plate in that parking lot ought to be choose life plate. You, you'd think, right? They talk about it. Let's put our money where our mouth is. Amen, church? Let's do it, okay? So I think it's important that we do good to the unborn. I think it's that uh, we do good to, of course, the born. I'm thinking about our children. We ought to be doing good towards our children. Now, how do we do that? Well, parents, let me encourage you on this. Parents, we need to be parents, not friends to our kids, okay? You know there's a big difference between that, right? Oh, Pastor, how do you mean by that? Well, it's our job to be a parent. We, you got to parent your children. There'll come a time later when you can be a friend with your child. That's great, but right now, you're the parent, Don't try to be a friend or a buddy. You know, I've had this, and this is nothing in the Bible, so it's nothing, you know, heavy, but this is how I do it. I just make sure that I don't ever refer to my kids as buddy. My boys are not my buddy. They're not my buddy, and I make sure that I don't call them, hey, buddy, you know, when they were little, hey, buddy, because they're not my buddy. They're what? They're my son. They're my children. I'm the dad. They're they're not my buddy. Now, I've got an older son who's in Bible college, uh, uh, majoring in uh, pastoral majors, and we'll see what God has for that. But as he's now getting into that age where he's getting through college and stuff like that, he's more becoming really more of a friend and mentorship relationship. Because what? Because he's not my little child anymore. He's still my son, but my responsibility to raise him, you know, every day is is getting further and further behind me. And I kind of look forward to that day when when he's kind of on his own and And he can't come back anymore. And the door's locked, and we can change the keys. And I just think it's wonderful. We take all of his clothes and put them out in the front and say, There you go. (laughs) But uh, parents, are you parenting your children? This passage says one of the things that we need to be doing is good to all men. That's to your children too. We need to be doing good to our children. Do you know how to parent your child? Now, we've, got a, we've done a lot of series on this, on raising children. You can listen to it on our podcast. You can get a CD or whatever. I think you need to be always learning about this. Uh, ever since my children were born, I have made a clear, conscious effort to be continually learning how to train my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Oh, wait, you're a pastor. You went to Bible college and seminary. Don't you know all this stuff? No. They didn't teach any of that in Bible college. Why? Because when the baby's born, you don't get an instruction book. It's like, and here's the baby. Oh, and here's a book that came out. Good. You know, start off with... It doesn't tell you how to do it. Church, the only book that we should really be referring to to raise our children is this book. Can I get an amen, church? Okay. Put Dr. Spock away. Put put all that away and, and refer to this book. Now, here's. I want to make this really clear and I want to make sure you understand it and you get it. This This is one of but probably the book this is one of but probably the book that i recommend to parents the most what the bible says about child training okay and it's literally just what does the bible say because we put a lot of things in our mind well i think the bible says this but the bible didn't say that maybe a well-intentioned pastor said it or maybe you know some some psychologist said it and maybe good but what does the bible say and what does it say this is actually my copy you can see, look at all the highlights I have in there. Look at, matter of fact, I'm going to show you that the front of the book is broken off uh, just because of using it so much. This was <laughs> when they were born. I was referring to this an awful lot. But, but I make highlights and I make notes all throughout the book because this book just talks about dealing with it God's way and dealing with rebellion, dealing with an attitude. Parents, can I encourage you on something? Now, Listen, I'm not a doctor. As a matter of fact, Jelaine, I'm not even a nurse. You probably didn't know that, but I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, so I'm being very cautious on this. Don't let your unsaved doctor raise your child. Okay? Okay? Let's use biblical principles that God wrote because he's the author of life. Let's use those principles that God has to raise our children, okay? So be very careful because, because science today and medicine today says, well, let's just classify and medicate your child, which sometimes, sometimes, sometimes is really just an excuse for your poor parenting skills. I'm not saying always. I didn't say always. Just don't go down that road. There's no reason to go down that road. Take some time. Get a, if you don't have the money for a book like this, it's probably, you know, on Amazon, probably used you know, six bucks. Okay, I'll give you the six bucks. I'll buy you the book. It's it's that important to me that you work through it and you learn about that and you say that because it's so important that the next generation is raised up biblically, not just as, well, they're acceptable kids or they're good kids, but you're doing it right. And church, listen, don't don't ever be afraid, okay? And I'm saying this as a pastor. Don't ever be afraid to try to get advice and, and reach out for advice or help raising your children. That's what that's what a church is. It's, it's a body of believers, a called out assembly of believers that are working together, living life together in community. It, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It doesn't mean that someone's going to judge you. It doesn't mean that, oh, this is terrible. I've had people that have been afraid to ask for help raising their kids. You want to know why? Because of the parent's pride. And, well, I'm not going to ask for any help. I'm not going to get some advice. I'm not going to have someone else look at this. I'm and their pride. And so instead of doing good to their children and raising them correctly, their pride keeps them from getting any advice or any help and I'm going to do it my way. And nine times out of ten, their children end up leaving the church and become a disaster. Saved? Yeah. Christians? Yeah. Disasters? Absolutely. Okay? Don't let your pride get in the way. I mean, that would be like your education. Now think of your child's education. Maybe your child needs help with a subject or maybe your child needs help reading or your child needs help in, in, in an area or has dyslexia or something and, and because of your pride you said well I'm not going to ask the school for help or I'm not going to uh, get some tutoring or I'm not going to get because, because I don't want anyone to know or, or I'm, I'm too prideful to let anyone know that my child needs help. Parents if your children need help with education get them help in their education right? If you need help learning how to raise your children biblically just get help. Ask someone. Talk to someone. Look at someone see how their children have been raised and talk to them and say, what does the Bible say about this? Get this book. How about this? Maybe a couple of you get together and you, and you get, get together for coffee on Sunday afternoons and you sit at Starbucks and you read the book together and you talk about it. I mean, just do that. I mean, just find some help and deal with it. The last thing we need, seriously, is, is another generation of young kids growing up that can't wait to get out of the church doors because their parents are hypocrites and they were living their parents' faith and not their own faith. But we, just, we don't need that. All right We need Christians that raise their children as great Christians and that they dare to discipline their children correctly and I spend a lot of time I still spend a lot of time reading i 've got uh, two teenagers like i said and and i'm not I'm not done I, I'm still reading i'm still trying to learn still trying to deal with all these things and girlfriends and everything like that and puppy love and what do i do with it and what do i say and when does dad shut his mouth and that's really hard and and you know so i'm still learning about it too okay why because they didn't come with an instruction manual and i want to make sure that my kids stay on the right track but i'm not afraid to get advice i have a pastor friend of mine and i've told you this many times that that i reach out to all the time my my former pastor who passed away this past year from cancer he, he always had carte blanche with me, and he had my cell phone, and he'd call me, and I'd say, how are my boys? You know, he, they'd go down there, and they'd play basketball at, at our parent church, and, and he'd be looking, and I'd say, what do you think? How's the attitude? What needs to be adjusted? And he'd say, well, the carburetor needs to be adjusted a little bit, or, you know, the <laughs> tire's a little out of line. need to work on this. And, and I would let him lean into my life. Why? Because I want to do good to all men. I want to do good to my kids. I want to give them the best shot at life possibly, so I need to learn as a parent because that's my job to learn. None of us are beyond learning. Parents, don't pass it up and just don't skip it and don't say, well, I'm just not going to deal with it. You need to deal with it. Christians, you will lose your children. Okay, You need to deal with it or you will lose them. You will lose them. The, the world will get away with raising their children rottenly and it doesn't matter. Why? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit living within them. And there's not a spiritual battle. But Christians... You've got the Holy Spirit living within you, and your child will rebel differently than the world will because they've got the Spirit of God literally dwelling within them. There's a constant battle taking place, and you better make sure, you better make sure that you get their heart and that you win their heart over for Jesus Christ, okay? All right, how about this one? Number three, we've got to move for the sake of time. Number three, don't just do good to the unborn. Don't just do good to your children, but just do good to your peers, Okay? those people that are around you, those people in the church, those p- people outside the church. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Matt, I'm going to get myself in trouble on this one again. Today's just to get-yourself-in-trouble day. I guess that's the way it goes. Do not raise your hand on this one, okay? Do not raise your hand on this one. But I want you to ask you a question, and I want you to answer it very honestly, okay? Don't raise your hand, but answer this question really honestly. Do you, right now, literally right now, do you have, someone either in this room or in another church but do you have someone right now that you are personally involved with and discipling them don't raise your hand do you have someone today right now that's either in this room here at this church or maybe they're at another church that's great that you are personally discipling and doing good to them personally right now do you have someone maybe someone that you led to christ and you're helping them grow in the lord do you have a name that you would think of if i said are you, do you have anybody that you are discipling do you have anybody that you're putting your arm around you're helping them you're holding their hand you're teaching them god's word you're trying to help them become a better christian do you have a name in your mind you say yep that person you know john doe susie smith whatever it is. yep i got a person church listen as christians if we don't have a name in our mind right now someone that we're discipling are we even doing this list? I mean, think about those first things he says. He says, warn those that, that are out of step, warn those that are ready to pass out from marching, and, and help those that, that, that don't even know how to march. And, and he says, listen, you better make sure you're doing good to all men. Church, do you have someone right now that you can think of that I am discipling this person? I'm helping them, I'm working with them. I would consider our relationship that, that it's a discipleship relationship. Are you working with someone? Well, you need to have someone. You need to have someone in your life. Your life's not all just about you. It's about working with other people. He says right here, look at the passage, do good to all men. So, so if you don't, then the question is why not? There's just no reason. It's a discipline on your part to be involved in someone else's life and, and to help them. How about this? How about just even on a bigger level? Are you involved even this on a bigger level in the community, in your neighborhood? Do you do good to your neighbor's? Do your neighbors know who you are? Let me ask you this question. Do your neighbors know that you're a Christian? Really? Well, I think they probably do. Because why? Well, they see me pull out on Sunday mornings at 10.30. Or you're playing golf. I mean, right. I mean, they don't know. Do do your Christians know where you go to church? Do do they? Have you invited your neighbors? Have have you actually given a gospel track to any of your neighbors? Do, Do they know that your kids are in a Christian school? Well, why, why would you? Be, what? They should know. But don't be afraid to tell them that. Do, just to, to help them, to, to minister to them. Maybe some of you should get involved in neighborhood things. Like, you know what I mean? Well, I mean like maybe some of you should get involved in like a school board or a or a local town board. You know, every week, every week I get a report of what's happening in our town. Someone does this for me, and I appreciate their hard work, and they give me a report of what's happening here in our town. And I, I look over that agenda, what's coming up in the next meetings, and if there's something that affects Christian liberties or, or Christian viewpoints, I'm all over it. I mean, I'm just all over it. But maybe some of you could run for a school board. I don't know. I mean, say, well, pastor, it's probably a huge waste of time. You know, should we buy a new swing set? You know, what color should we paint the gymnasium? Yeah, I know, blah, blah, blah. Who cares, Right? But someday there may be an issue that comes up. You know, what are we doing with the LGBTQ thing? Well, that's probably going to take place in another week. But, uh, you know, but well, maybe we need some Christian to, to shed some light in the darkness, all right? Maybe that's something you need to pray about, something you need to consider. Maybe you can be involved with that or even just on a, a town board or just be aware of it. Show up at some meetings. But do good, show, show Christ's love, not to set up a fight, not to punch people out. No, but to show good to those that just don't know any better. Show good to people, to show the goodness of this. Let people know you're a Christian. And you're coming with Christian viewpoints. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Look at this verse. Proverbs 14, 34. This is such a cool verse. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sins are reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. Well, church, how in the world is righteousness going to exalt a nation if the nation doesn't know what righteousness is? Do good to all people. Okay? The, the world needs to know that you're unashamed, just a Christian. You just maybe you just need to just help out and get involved. Just, just maybe I just do something for the cause of Jesus Christ. Uh, how about this? Do good to people via social media, your peers' social media. Church, be very careful what you post online. Be, be very careful what you post online. Do you do good? Do When you text someone, is your tone right? Well, I put a smiley face. Mm, yeah. Are you gentle, gentle? Are you generous? Are you kind? Are you compassionate? Or are you just like, you know, people get an email or text from you and it's like, meow, you know, <laughs> you know, don't be, you, sometimes you have to look at how you write things or how you text things and look at it and just, am I, am I coming across the right way, you know? I told you this a couple weeks ago, remember this, I said this, church, some of us need to look into a mirror physically, literally every day and just look at how you look, you know, I, there's not much here to look at for me, but, but some of you just have a natural frown, it's just the way God made me, you know, listen, this right here, this is your billboard for Jesus Christ. Okay? And, and, and do good to all men. You know what that means? For some of us, that means I have to force myself to smile even when I don't want to smile. So instead of just, well, I'm ready to rip someone's head off and I go to the gas station. You know. You're a Christian. You may have to force yourself to just get some toothpicks and, rah, rah, and just, I'm smiling. I'm a Christian. I'm smiling inside, but it just doesn't look that way. But be careful how you talk, how you text people, what you put in social media. Just, you're a Christian. We ought to be setting the example on social media, okay? Not following all the garbage out there and the, drunk, uh, the, the junk, well, the drunks too, but not following all that, but, but being someone who's an example. Getting out of our comfort zone and showing appreciation, uh, using, using your mouth and just being thankful, encouraging someone, being appreciative to someone. Well, that's just not my comfort zone. Well, I know it's not your comfort zone, but make it your comfort zone. Get into it. Well, I'm just not comfortable encouraging people. I'm not comfortable challenging people to do good things. I'm not comfortable uh, 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 inviting people to church. Last time I checked, when Jesus said he was leaving, he was going to send us the comforter. Well, why would you need a comforter if if life is never going to be uncomfortable? Life will be uncomfortable as Christians. That's why he sent us someone to comfort us. Which means sometimes, church, we have to get out of our comfort zone, then we therefore rely on the comforter. All right? Think about how you talk to people. Think about how you show appreciation to people. Treat other people how you'd want to be treated. You, you know, we talked about this too a well while back. I think we're, I, I believe this. Now, Jelaine, I don't know, you may argue this with your church, and that's okay, you're, 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 you can be wrong. But I believe that, that Dayspring is the friendliest church in all of southeast Wisconsin. But I don't always believe that we're the most hospitable church in all of Southeast Wisconsin. We could hear a pin drop in the church. <laughs> we're nice, but sometimes we're just not hospitable. Okay? we some, we all gotta work on. We just get out of our comfort zone. We treat people how how you'd want to be treated. You know, I had someone ask me the other day, someone who was dating, said, Well, Pastor, how do I find Mr. Wright? How do I find Mr. Wright? Well, I tell you how to find Mr. Wright. You find Mr. Wright by you becoming Mrs. Wright. You work on yourself first, okay? And then you worry about what God brings to you after that. Well, how do I become, you know, how do I become the nicest person hospitable? Well, just start working on yourself. Don't wait for someone else to be hospitable to you. You start being hospitable. You start showing, the, you start, you know, being just willing to just do whatever for someone. You just show them God's love, not just, hey, in church, you know, but, but just really being gracious and kind and loving and truly being a hospitable person. In church, that's going to get harder and harder and harder to do. It's going to be harder to be a follower of Christ as the world gets darker and darker and darker and church, I'll say this, and we've got to get out of here. The, there is no utopia coming to this earth until Jesus Christ comes again. Okay, just so we're very clear on that. Last time I checked, now I found three passages. I don't know if there's more. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Bible says, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. So it tells me that the God of this world is blinding people from Christianity. That's the devil, okay? That, this, is his, this is his playground right now. It's not, it's not Jesus Christ's playground. It will be, right? <laughs> when he comes back to, to clean house and make things right, but we're not having utopia on this earth. Well, the Republicans, if Trump stayed in office, everything would be great. No, it won't be. It, th- this isn't going to be heaven. I am thankful, that heaven is going to be better than what we have right now. Amen, church? I mean, anything's better than this. Ephesians chapter 2, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. It's not Jesus Christ he's talking about. The devil is the prince of the air. I, I often think about this. Television goes over the air. Radio goes over the air. Internet goes over the air. Who's the prince of the air? Not Jesus Christ. The devil. Why is there so much junk and trash and garbage out there? Because he's the prince of the air. He's in charge of it. That's why. John chapter 12, verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. He's not talking about Jesus Christ. Talk about the devil. So, church, just don't forget that. This is the devil's playground. And, and, and when Paul wrote this to the church, he said, I'm going to give you a to-do list because Jesus Christ is coming again, and you are going to be in darkness, and this is a filthy, rotten, stinking mess that you're going to be in. And this was written 2,000 years ago. He said, I got a to-do list for you, and I want this to comfort you and bring about peace within the church, and I want, I want each other to be comforted with these words. But I'm giving you a to-do list. This is some things that you need to be working on, Church. We need to be working on doing good unto all men. Not just the people that are in this building but the people that are outside this building. To, to, to literally do good to those people. To think about how can I help other people? How can I minister other people in the name of Jesus Christ? How can I show people about God's love? Church, I think the ultimate way to show good to other people is to what? To show them about eternity. Okay. Now listen, I, I know some of you may be here and Maybe you're, maybe you're from a different church background, and that's great. You are absolutely positively welcome here. It's totally fine. Doors are wide open. Maybe some of you have never been to church before, and you're saying, what in the world? How do I get out of here? <laughs> Where are the exit doors? Well, we'll be done in a couple minutes, but the most important thing today is this. If you forget everything I talked about, here's the most important thing. I want you to pay attention to this, that God said that he loves us, and we say, well, I know he loved us, but no, God said I really do love you, and the problem is that, that you have a debt that needs to be paid. Your debt is sin. All of us have sinned. I mean, is there anybody here that would raise their hand and say, I've never done anything bad? No, we've all done something bad. And God said, you've got a debt that's got to be paid, and, and the problem is you can't pay it. I want to show you an illustration that, that shows God's love. I'm going to use this book on child training. But I want everyone to watch, and just watch this, and, and, and the faster you watch me do this, the faster we'll go, okay? Pretend that this hand is me and you, right? Just pretend. Pretend that this book is all the bad things we've done. That's kind of interesting. So just pretend that all these pages were all the listings of all the sins that you've ever done. Now, if there was someone like Jeremiah, we'd need like bigger books than this because this would not be enough for Jeremiah. But let's just pretend, okay? Uh, This is like Tabby. This would be like Tabby. Just a few, yeah, a couple pages. Right, sure. But the Bible says pretend that, here we are, pretend that this book is all the bad things. So here we are. Here's the bad things. Everybody with me so far? So everybody got this, right? So what is this? It, no, no. It, it's my hand. It represents me and you. Okay. What is this? It's a book. But what does it represent? Sin. Okay. So here we are. Here's a sin. Now just pretend. Pretend. Let this hand represent God in heaven. Okay. Here's God in heaven. Okay. God's perfect. There's no sin in heaven. The Bible says that we're clear about that. If there was sin in heaven, God wouldn't be God. Heaven would be heaven. It would be hell. Right. But but God says no. I'm perfect. I'm holy. I don't have any sin. Here's the problem, watch, here's the problem. You have sin, you can't go to heaven with sin. It, it, you can't, because there would be sin in heaven. And God knew that. He knew that from before Before Genesis chapter one, verse one, you know, creation, you know, the earth was created. He knew all this. He, he said, I know this is gonna be a problem. So, so here we are, here's the sin that we've done. God says, I'm perfect, I'm holy, there's no sin. And a lot of people, a lot of religions, I'm gonna get myself in trouble again say if you go to church going to church will pay that how about this one if you get baptized you'll wash away all those sins or if you turn over a new leaf well okay now i have upside down sin i mean I want, you know or how about this one you know if you if you if you if you repent from all the bad things you've done and you stop sinning Sure, he stopped sinning. Good luck. You know, I mean, that's going to last about a nanosecond, right? So a lot of people say if you're good, if you do good things, you can pay that debt and you can go to heaven because you paid the debt. Do you know what? Nowhere, nowhere in this book does it say that you can pay the debt. It doesn't say it. Nowhere in this book. But my priest told me, my pastor told me, my church told me. No, he didn't nowhere in this book is there a debt that you can pay to get you to heaven there, there's not there's no list that says well do this this and this and you go it's not there matter of fact the bible is extremely clear the other way take a look at this verse i love this verse so much i put it on the stage for god so loved the world right that he gave his only begotten son that's the story of christmas jesus came down was born in a manger story of easter died on a cross Buried three days later, rose again. But look at this. So God loves us. He gave his son. Now look at this. That whosoever believes in him. Now just imagine, took a highlighter and a highlight. Believes. It doesn't say whoever goes to church. It says whoever believes in him. Is that what it says? Does it say believe? Or does it say go to church? What's it say? It says believe. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have, what's the last, the second to last word starts with the letter E? Everlasting life. Whoever believes in him, whoever believes in the fact that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, his death paid our sin debt. Because, see, the the Bible says that the only way to pay that is death. Someone has to die to pay the mortgage. For hundreds of years where Christ came, the Jews would take a lamb to church and they would sacrifice the lamb to show, not to do it, but to show, someone has to die to pay our sins and we're going to let this lamb represent that. And they would do that just to show someone's got to die. Well, God said, has going to die for this, but God said what? My son will die. Now watch. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid our sin debt. Okay? He died on the cross three days later, rose again. He paid the sin debt. God says what? Whosoever believes that Jesus did that has everlasting life. Why? Because the debt's been paid. You, you didn't pay it. I didn't pay it. Going to church didn't pay it. Jesus Christ paid it on the cross of Calvary. All you have to do is accept it. Pastor, can it be that easy? Is it that simple? It is that simple. Why? Because Jesus did the work so you don't have to. Look at this verse and we're done. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Right here, these three words, Jelaine, changed my life. Not of works, lest any man should boast. When I finally realized it's not what Dan Rehoff does to pay the sin debt, it's not me, stop drinking, it's not me, stop doing drugs, it's not me, start going to church, it's not me, it's what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross, his death, paid my sins. All Dan Rehoff had to do is, God, I realize I'm a sinner. God, I can't pay it. But I do believe that Jesus paid for my sins. I accept that as the payment of my sins. And God says, you know what? You're forever part of my family, never to be cast out, never to be forgotten. Have you ever done that this morning? Have you ever trusted in the fact that Jesus Christ paid your sin debt on the cross? Have you? If you've never done that, today is the day you should do it. Why? Because you don't know. You may drive out of here and get in a car accident and die. You may not be able to come back next week. I, would, I wouldn't wait a moment to accept Christ as my Savior to know that He paid my sin debt. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be done. Father, we're thankful for our study today. Lord, maybe someone today in the quietness of their mind is praying something like this. Dear God, I realize I'm a sinner. God, I can't pay it. But God, I believe that Jesus Christ paid my debt when He died on the cross. I believe when He rose again, it proved it was paid. And Lord... I'm accepting that, that Jesus died in my place. I'm not working for it. I'm not paying for it. I'm not getting baptized for it. I'm just simply believing that Jesus paid it for me. And I know for certain, according to the Bible, that I have eternal life. Lord, would you give a, that person a special blessing today if they've trusted you as Savior, working in their heart and life, and just they'd know that today was a day that they trusted you for all of eternity. Lord, thank you for our study in the Word. In your name we pray. Amen. We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com.